Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It is Saturday, June 18th, 2022, and you have joined us for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word, which we do as a congregation. Um, the goal is that uh, all of our families, all of our households, uh, would pray together each day for one another and also for all those in need. Um, also learn um, together God's Word and um, hymns and creeds and, you know, the scripture. Um, so uh, it can be, of course, done at home by each of you. We have a handout that comes out each Sunday, uh, also available in the email each week so that you can pray. Uh, or you can do it here online with us. All right. Today is Saturday, so the assigned readings are actually tomorrow's Old Testament and Epistle reading. And so we'll use this to help uh, you be prepared to hear and me to preach. Normally I would have uh, written something by now, but uh, this week has been a little bit uh, difficult. <laughs> District conference for two and a half days and now uh, uh, being up at the hospital all week. So well, that's all right. Uh, so it goes, right? Uh, speaking of, uh, Dorothy's condition uh, improved a little, has improved a little bit, I think. Um, I haven't been up there yet this morning, so I don't know how that's going. Um, there's always, it, it's a, the body is a complicated uh, organism. Well, we are complicated people. Let's just put it that way, uh, biochemically and whatnot. Fearfully and wonderfully made, the scripture says. And uh, as much as, you know, much like with the environment, much like uh, with our own lives, so even with our bodies, we think that we can, um, you know, go about fixing it mechanically. And uh, everything's so interrelated that, you know, you, you try to fix one thing and it affects another thing, etc. So um, still working on blood and kidneys and um, nutrition and... Uh, and that sort of thing. So it'll 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 be some. I think it'll take some time for her to stabilize as far as all of those things go. All right. Um. So I think with that, let's start. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, our memory verse, uh, which now you'll see why it was chosen for this week. Uh, well, you will in a few minutes anyway. First, let's say it. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 1 John 3, verse 16. All right. Um, by the way, brethren, interesting word in the, in the, in the Bible. Um, it sounds a little patriarchal, I suppose, you know, brothers and fathers, right? Um, but it does mean, it means that you're fellow Christians. The brethren are the fellow Christians. Um, namely of your local congregation and maybe maybe a little bit more broadly speaking as well all right um so the love is always local and I, I don't know who said that or if that's unique to me um i think somebody has said that before uh, but but love is local it, it's very hard to love someone half a world away as you know if you try to maintain a long distance relationship um and that isn't to say you can't do it uh, but when the Bible speaks uh, of love, it, it speaks of those who are near to you. Um, the same, you know, for that matter, in the small catechism, when Luther speaks of the neighbor, he's talking about those whom God has put into your life. 
Um, I think one of the challenges we have in today's world because of um, the well, genius technology of uh, communication, social media, uh, email, you know, cell phones and all of that is that uh, in one sense, you're expected almost to be immediately available to anyone, anywhere, uh, which isn't uh, real life, actually. <laughs> so it, it's created this kind of artificial uh, reality where uh, normally what would happen is that you care for those people who are close to you and at any given moment or time, um, and those who are not near to you, um, you have to rely upon the care of others. Right? So um, there's something about the immediacy of, of uh, this technology that I think actually diffuses responsibility, if we'll put it that way, and love, um, and laying down one's life for, for the brother um, in the faith, right? the fellow heir with Christ of eternal life. Uh, because if you're responsible for everyone, um, you really can't be responsible for anyone right? Because it diffuses. You only have so much energy and ability and means, right? As the Lord has given. Right? So very focused here. Lives for the brethren. Very focused. Local. Our psalm is Psalm 119. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your just decrees are good. Behold, I long for your precepts and your righteousness give me life. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your just decrees. I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and shall not be put to shame, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Okay, um, let's see. First reading. This will be our Old Testament reading for tomorrow. Beautiful reading. Uh, you saw it pictured actually here in the title frame. Abraham upon the hill, staring at the sky, uh, is from Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your reward, or your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then he brought him outside and, and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. All right. This is a chief text for us um, to talk about what righteousness means. What does it mean to be righteous? And I think in the estimation of most, uh, because this is the, uh, the normal expectation of that word righteousness, is it means to do rightly. Fair enough. Um, but notice here, 
<laughs> Moses is very careful by working by the Spirit uh, to say he accounted it was attributed to Moses or excuse me Abram for righteousness, meaning it's not his own righteousness, but it's a righteousness, as we say in our confessions, alien to us, alien to us. It's not something we have in and of ourselves. I mean, think about this. Can Abraham conceive his own son? No, he's pleading to the Lord for a son, even though he and his wife are barren, right? It's the Lord who opens and closes the womb. We often forget this. We think we're in control of fertility, much like we're in control of healing or something, Um, and we're not. It's the Lord's doing, all right? And so here he prays to the Lord, pleads to the Lord for um, a son, for an offspring, for an inheritor, right? So that his, his family's name continues and, um, and that things continue for, for uh, to be provided for. Except, uh, of course, we know that Abraham is uh, one of the bearers of the promise, right? The promise of the offspring, the son, the seed, who would crush the serpent's head, right? Of Christ himself. So this promise uh, kind of has a double meaning, doesn't it? First and foremost, um, it actually is a promise of Christ, the offspring who would be of you know of the loins of of Abram, the true son of Abraham, just as he is the true son of David, right? Um, the eternal son, and also by way of Jesus, um, all those who have been joined to Jesus are fellow co-heirs, right? Uh, fellow sons of God in Jesus. And so we, too, male and female, together, sons, uh, I know it's all this, it's almost gender fluid, isn't it? Yeah, well, there you go. It's the Bible. Um, that all of us are uh, those who are numbered, right? So when your descendants are the descendants, those grafted into his son, his offspring, Jesus. Right? Uh, so beautiful text, beautiful text. And it's, of course, um, because, because of that, it's actually used in our Lutheran confessions, it's used in the context of um, righteousness of faith before God, which would be Article 3 of the Formula of Concord. All right, the Formula of Concord being the last of our Lutheran confessions, the last to be written, um, and uh, kind of the culmination of the book, really. And uh, this is an article about the righteousness of faith before God. So listen to this. Furthermore, neither contrition, nor love, nor any other virtue, but faith alone is the only means and instrument by which and through which we can receive and accept God's grace, Christ's merit, and the forgiveness of sins, which are brought to us in the gospel promise. All right? So not contrition, being sorry for your sin, not love, right, doing the law, nor any other virtue, being an upstanding person, but faith alone, Abraham, Abram believed in the Lord, right? And it was accounted to him as righteousness. But faith alone is the only means and instrument by which and through which we can receive and accept God's grace, Christ's merit, and the forgiveness of sins, which are brought to us in the gospel promise. So notice this is also a gospel promise. It's a, the promise of the gift, right? Namely the gift of Jesus. It is also correct to say that believers who have been justified through faith in Christ first have the righteousness of faith credited to them in this life. Then they also have the initial righteousness of the new obedience or of good works. But these two types of righteousness must not be mixed with each other or both be injected into the article of justification by faith before God. All right? So this is what we sometimes call two kinds of righteousness, the righteousness before God and then the righteousness before one another. Faith toward God, love toward one another, right? As we hear in the post-communion collect. But these two types of righteousness must not be mixed uh, with each other or be injected, all right, so that we're saved by faith and by works, 
into the article of justification by faith before God. For this initial righteousness or renewal in us is incomplete and impure in this life because of the flesh. A person cannot stand with and on the ground of this righteousness before God's court. Before God's court, only the righteousness of Christ's obedience, suffering, and death, which is credited, accounted, to faith, can stand. So only for the sake of this obedience, Christ's obedience, is the person pleasing and acceptable to God and received into adoption and made an heir of eternal life. This is true even after his renewal, when he already he has already many good works and lives the best life. Right? Here belongs also what St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 4, verse 3. Abraham was justified before God through faith alone, for the sake of the mediator, without the cooperation of his works, of Abraham's works. This was true not only when Abraham was first converted from idolatry and had no good works, but also afterward, when he had been renewed by the Holy Spirit and adorned with many excellent good works. Genesis 15, verse 6, and Hebrews 11, 8, the by faith chapter of Hebrews. Paul asks the following question in Romans 4, verses 1 through 3. At that time, on what did Abraham's righteousness before God rest for everlasting life, by which he had a gracious God and was pleasing and acceptable to him? He answers, quote, to the one who does not work but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one of whom God counts righteousness apart from works. That's Psalm 32. Therefore, even though people who are converted and believe in Christ have the beginning of renewal, sanctification, love, virtue, and good works, these cannot and should not be drawn into or mixed with the article of justification before God. This is so the honor due to Christ may remain with Christ the Redeemer, and tempted consciences may have a sure consolation, since our new obedience is incomplete and impure. All right? So our, our love, virtue, sanctification, renewal, and good works towards our neighbor are never complete, are always impure, right? And so they cannot justify that there's a distinction. This is a categorical distinction, is what you might say, between the righteousness of Christ and our righteousness, two kinds of righteousness. Um, even the latter, which is worked in us by the Holy Spirit, as long as we are in the flesh, is never perfect, is never complete, and can never justify. Only the righteousness of Christ. Um, from, from the moment of conversion all the way until one's death and resurrection, it's only Christ's res- righteousness that justifies, that makes one right before God. Right? That isn't the discount, the righteousness that we have before one another in love and faith and good works, uh, which we pray the Holy Spirit work in us, right? And we willingly accept. But um, they cannot justify us. This is what one of the things I love about the Lutheran Confession. Right? It just keeps things uh, categorically clear as the Scripture confesses. All right. Um, speaking of love, now we look at First John chapter four, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he, he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he 
who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. All right Now you've heard me say this before, and it's worth reiterating that love does not mean emotion here. Um, this, this word for love is agape, which you've probably heard many a sermon on that throughout your, your days. Agape is that self-giving love. It's action love. It's the love of God for sinners. Mm-hmm. And that's the love that's being, um, being promoted here. Um, speaking of love, the Augsburg Confession then is where we get this, uh, is our Lutheran Confession on love anyway. And uh, this would be under Article 3, which is uh, sometimes called love and the fulfilling of the law. Right um, Here's the important point from Melanchthon, um, just confessing the scriptures again, is that love belongs to the law. Love belongs to the law. So the love of Christ for us is that he fulfilled the law, right? The love we have for our neighbor is according to the law. What must we do to be saved, right? What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Commandment, love, law. So listen to what Melanchthon writes. And he's going to quote the text here too. We profess that the work of the law must be begun in us and that it must be kept continually more and more. Remember, that's... um, belonging to our sanctification. At the same time, we also speak about both spiritual movements and outward good works. Therefore, the adversaries falsely charge that our theologians do not teach good works. They not only require good works, but they also show how they can be done. The result convicts the hypocrites who by their own powers try to fulfill the law, for they cannot do the things they attempt. Human nature is far too weak to resist the devil by its own powers. He holds as captive everyone who has not been freed through faith. There is a need for Christ's power against the devil, for we know that for Christ's sake we are heard and have the promise. We may pray for the governance and defense of the Holy Spirit, that we may neither be deceived and err, nor be pushed or to do anything against God's will. Psalm 68 verse 18 teaches this very thing, quote, You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men. End quote. Christ has overcome the devil and has given to us the promise and the Holy Spirit in order that, by divine aid, by God's aid, we ourselves may be, may also overcome. So 1 John 3 verse 8 says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, end quote. Again, we teach not only how the law can be kept, but also how God is pleased if anything is done. This is not because we satisfy the law but because we are in Christ, as we shall explain shortly. Therefore, it is clear that we require good works. In fact, we also say this, our love for God, even though it is small, cannot possibly be separated from faith. For we come to the Father through Christ. When forgiveness of sins has been received, then we are truly certain that we have a God. That is, that God cares for us. We call upon him, we give him thanks, we fear him, we love him. As 1 John 4.19 teaches, we love because he first loved us. In other words, we love him because he gave his son for us and forgave us our sins. Notice love is action. Giving his son and forgiving our sins. In this way, John shows that faith comes first and love follows. Right? We can do nothing apart from faith. Nothing good. Likewise, the faith of which we speak exists in repentance. I mean that faith is conceived in the terrors of conscience, which feels God's wrath against our sins and seeks the forgiveness of sins, seeks to be freed from sin. 
in such terrors and other troubles, this faith ought to grow and be strengthened. Right? So notice faith does not come in the midst of uh, ease and lack of want and uh, when there's no difficult. Faith is strengthened, renewed, and even grows in the midst of difficulty, struggle, terror, uh, especially of the conscience. Likewise, uh, let's see, no, we already read that. In such terrors and other troubles, faith, this faith ought to grow and be strengthened. Therefore, it cannot exist in people who live by the flesh, who are delighted by their own lusts and obey them. So Paul says in Romans 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So too, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, not according to our own law. We're not autonomous, living our own law. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. All right, so we live by the Spirit that is through the Word of God working in us by the Spirit which puts to death our own law so that we live according to God, right? Paul is writing about faith that receives forgiveness of sins in a terrified heart and flees from sin. So faith does not remain in those who obey their desires, neither does it dwell with mortal sin, right? So again, categorically here, um, not ju just like we talked about with righteousness, so also works in faith, right? Um, they belong, to one another. They actually parallel, right? So the righteousness before God is faith, and the righteousness before the neighbor is, is love, is good works, all right? Um, but there can be no good works, no love for neighbor apart from that faith in God. So first comes God working for us, right? Think divine service here. God comes and delivers himself to us, and only by his giving are we renewed, restored, um, and do we even imperfectly um, love one another. Uh, this is a point for uh, pastoral counseling and pastoral care, um, like in marital difficulties. Um, almost always, <laughs> almost always, uh, the, those who come uh, in need of care um, within any relationship, but, but marriage would be a good example of this, um, are not um, together hearing God's word and receiving forgiveness of sins. They're not, they don't forgive one another. They don't live in faith toward, they don't live in love toward one another because they don't live in faith toward God. They won't be frequent in church attendance. They don't receive the sacrament regularly, right? Or if they even are in church, they refuse to listen. They come, they show up, but they, you know, cross their arms and just sit in the back and they don't participate. So they refuse to receive the means by which Jesus delivers his righteousness to us to, to create in us faith. And thus they have no love and faith, no love for one another and no faithfulness to one another either. All right. So first comes um, Christ's love for us, received by faith and then um, love for one another. All right, this is going to be really important tomorrow. Um, God willing, everything goes as planned. I got a lot of people out of town, so uh, we'll make it We'll make it work tomorrow as far as uh, our divine service. I don't know that we'll have Bible class. We'll see uh, how things are going in the morning. But um, tomorrow's the uh, parable of uh, the rich man and poor Lazarus, right? And it would be easy to focus in the text on, um, this is where the sermon's going, as it's outlined in my mind here, um, it's easiest to focus on the on the works of the rich man or the lack thereof that he refuses to care for his brother in need, right, uh, and cares most for himself. But that's not that's only a symptom. That's not the diagnosis. The diagnosis is actually a lack of faith and a lack of uh, reception of Christ's righteousness. Okay, so we'll talk about that tomorrow. All right. Uh, apologies for the noise in the background. Children are awake and uh, making noise. <laughs> Uh, let's confess our catechism for the week. What does such baptizing with water indicate? 
It indicates that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Where is this written? St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We pray. Almighty God, we give thanks to you for our baptism into Christ, where we were buried with him through our baptism into his death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too may live a new life. Grant us this new life, O Lord, that we might live faithfully and joyously as your children in the blessed hope of everlasting life in Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. All right, we'll sing our hymn one more time. multitude comes from the east and the west to sit at the feast of salvation with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the blessed, obeying the Lord's invitation. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. O God, let us hear when our shepherd shall call in accents persuasive and tender that while there is time we make haste one hand all and find him our mighty defender. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. All trials shall be like a dream that is past, forgotten all trouble and mourning. All questions and doubts shall be answered at last, when rises the light of that morning. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. The heavens shall ring with an anthem more grand than ever on earth was recorded. The blessed of the Lord shall receive at his hand the crown to the victor's rewarded. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. All right, let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given us grace to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity by the confession of a true faith and to worship the unity and the power of the divine majesty. Keep us steadfast in this faith and defend us from all adversities. For you, O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, live and reign, one God, now and forever. 
Amen. We pray today for faithfulness to the end, for the renewal of those who are withering in the faith or have fallen away, for pastors as they prepare to administer Christ's holy gifts, and for receptive hearts and minds on the Lord's day. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray for the households of our church. Today we pray with Julie, Sherry, Jessica, Jeffrey, Ron and Janet, Crystal, and Alicia. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Bev, Kelsey, Dorothy, Amanda, Dan, Brad, and Janet, Timothy, Pastor Kretschmar, Merlin, Jim, and Mike. Pray for our homebound, Bev, Willis, Ed, Mickey, and Paul. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially this month with Sheboygan Hispanic Ministry. We pray for the preservation and increase of patience. And we also ask, uh, or we give thanks to God for the work of the 56th Regular Convention of the South Wisconsin District. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day, or that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, excuse me, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, that's good. Uh, it's been a blessing to have you with us. Thanks for praying with me. Um, do keep Dorothy in your prayers. Um, you know, uh, it's up and down, of course. Things, Some things improve, some things not. Um, she's got an NJ tube, so that goes down into her intestine to try to help um, uh, stimulate um, uh, producing stool instead of diarrhea, which is what she had for weeks there. Or not quite weeks, but, you know, over a week. And then um, what else does she have? Um, she has a pick line, so that's helping um, to get her blood chemistry back up to where it should be with some uh, supplements and nutrients there. And um, yeah, so we'll see how she's doing this morning. Um, I'll know more probably later. I appreciate your prayers and your uh, support. Um, it's, it's hard. <laughs> hard to be mom and dad when you're not at home. Um, Anne's mom's been up, but she's not feeling well, so I think she might go back. Uh, so we'll have to figure out something new here as far as covering home. But uh, that's how it goes, right? So Lord's blessings with you are to you. Uh, I hope you uh, have a blessed day and uh, hopefully everything goes as planned. We'll see you in the morning. All right. Lord's blessings to you all. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church, Sherman Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.